Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hiring is challenging, and it used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter. In fact, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you cannot miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners here can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Flying the Anaheim Ducks podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. On the Believe Podcast Network, Southern California's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in Southern California and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? So yeah, on this week's show, it's me and Kent again talking remotely. Both of us, uh, it's a late night episode, but how you doing, Kent? <laughs> Good. Yeah, Anthony, thanks. So yeah. I know another late one. Uh, you know, this is kind of getting to be our uh, our mo. Yeah, absolutely. And I always seem to have some technical problems, but I think we're going. I think we're going well right now. So uh, uh, hopefully, it continues to work out. But today on the show, we're going to recap the games from this week. That includes the game against Winnipeg. That uh, was a loss. The win in the shootout against Minnesota. Uh, the loss to the Kings and the win tonight against the Rangers, which was a very exciting game. We'll also talk three stars. And in this three stars, we're going to go over the most surprising trades uh, that Kent experienced firsthand. And I'll just tell you my, the, the trades I was most surprised by uh, in my time as an NHL fan. But first, we're going to get to a little bit of an ad. This is something new this week, um, but we're going to start doing ads. So the first one, let's talk about sleep. Listen to these studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins. Chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. We need eight hours of sleep. I know I've got a newborn. I struggle every night. I don't get eight hours of sleep. And one of sleep's biggest problems is temperature. When my room's too hot, I have trouble sleeping. It's tough to get a good night's sleep when you're hot. I want to tell you about Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts to the temperature automatically. That means if you, if you like the bed cool, your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed. Sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, we'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. They've already sold out of their first two batches, so they're going fast. For a limited time, get $150, 50, what's five zero, dollars $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash pro. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash pro, 8sleep.com slash pro. So, yep. That's our first ad of the show. How did you like it? <laughs> oh, man, nice. That's actually a good one. I got to check that out. That thing sounds unbelievable. Yeah, definitely. I, can, I definitely could get as much sleep as possible uh, with the newborn. So I, I totally get why people would want that. But let's uh, let's talk about this first game, the, the Winnipeg Jets game. The Ducks lose it. Um, it's a close one. Once again, they definitely had their share of the opportunities, but they just can't pull it out. They can't get the elusive third goal. That, that seems to be a trend that's been happening lately. 
Yeah, I remember uh, that was kind of um, as I was my my last couple of years in the league. We had uh, I was fortunate to play for some good coaches, and they always talked about the race to three and kind of the modern NHL. A lot of nights, that's kind of the magic number. Um, so yeah, when you get when you kind of get stuck on two, uh, it's a it's a tough spot to be. You're probably uh, it's probably not going to do it on most nights. Uh, might be enough to get you overtime. Uh, a decent amount of the time if, if your defensive game's tight and you're getting uh, top-end goaltending. But I, I think uh, long-term, it's not a good recipe uh, for success. You can't can't get past two. But I think that's a tough tough building to play in Winnipeg. Uh, played there a few times. Always uh, always challenging. Uh, one of the one of the tougher places to play in the NHL. Um, and I think. Again, broken record, but I, I thought the Ducks played well. Like another solid performance. Definitely weren't getting uh, run out of the building or anything like that. I, I think uh, going down early hurts, uh, but bouncing back and being 1-1 after one on the road, I think you, as the uh, visiting team, you'd usually take that as well as carrying that into the rest of the game, 2-2 with 10 minutes to go. You're a pretty good spot, um, at least in, in decent shape, to have a, a good chance of getting a, a point on the road, which is uh, always nice, for sure, to at least get one and a chance at two. But uh, then, yeah, it came down to basically uh, a special teams competition, uh, power play versus power play, Winnipeg got one, and uh, the Ducks couldn't get one. So I was, uh, in a nutshell, that's what kind of uh, boiled down to for me. I think I, having seen uh, the Winnipeg uh, Jets when they were here earlier in the season, it's like a much improved uh, team. They're just, I, I think a lot of the, the pieces are still the same, but they just look to be playing a lot better, a lot cleaner brand of hockey and uh, hella books looked uh, significantly uh, better than he did early on in the season. It was a good performance by him. Absolutely. And I think you can kind of see, we, we talked a lot about the, how the Ducks are in most games, but you can kind of see if you look at where they are in the standings, um, they're down towards the bottom now, only a couple points ahead of Chicago for that eighth spot in the Western Conference and three ahead of the Kings. But compared to those two teams, they only have a pretty much a minus 10 goal differential. So they gave up, they've given up 10 more goals against than they've scored the season compared to the Blackhawks and Kings who are up around 20 minus 20. So they yeah. have been close. You can tell there are a lot of one goal games. Um, the overtime games haven't gone their way, but they've done all right in shootouts. But when you, as a, as a former player, when you've been in those situations and your team has been having trouble scoring, what does that ha- effect have you on you mentally? Does it, does it, I mean, people use the term gri- gripping your stick a little harder, trying to be perfect, but what is it that, that really mentally affects you about that situation? How do you get out of it? Yeah, I think there's uh, I think there's definitely times when frustration uh, tends to kick in a little bit when um, when the pucks aren't going in. Like you kind of know that you're you're playing well, that you're executing, everyone's working hard, but in the end, it's a results-oriented business. Uh, this these sports and. Um, that's basically if, if you're doing 95% of everything right and to the best of your ability and, and feel like you're playing well as a team uh, to kind of have nothing to show for it, kind of the longer that goes on, the more, more frustrating it can be. And yeah, it can, can lead to, I don't like squeezing the stick. Yeah. That's, uh, that's definitely the, the term of choice. And I think that basically just equates to kind of like, you're pressing and, and hockey such a kind of reaction oriented, uh, I don't know, reactionary game that uh, the minute you start pressing and trying to force things and, you know, you kind of have a certain idea of what you want to do and trying to force that to happen rather than reading, reacting what's open and what's available and plays to be made on the ice, so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, it can definitely, uh, turn into turn into lengthy losing streaks or, or just kind of a 
some tough stretches for hockey teams, especially, uh, yeah, when things are amplified so much with uh, all the coverage these days, everyone knows what everyone else is, is going through. And, yeah, it, it, it's not fun. <laughs> Yeah. And moving on kind of with that in that vein uh, to the Minnesota game, it's uh, the one game this week the Ducks jumped out to an early lead off of goals from Ricardo Raquel and Cam Fowler. They get the early 2 nothing lead. Cam Fowler scores the first power play goal by a Ducks defenseman this whole season. So Jonathan Davis's uh, point last week kind of had the uh, we won't use the term from our other favorite podcast, Spitting Chicklets, but uh, the Jonathan Davis boost, we'll call it, after mentioning uh, <laughs> the uh, the the lack of goals scored by Ducks defensemen on the power play. So Cam Fowler breaks the ice there. The Ducks get out to a lead, which, like I mentioned, is the first time they did that all week and the only time they did that all week, and they get a win. Can you talk about what it's like playing from ahead versus playing from behind I know teams change the way they play when they have a lead, they get a little more conservative and kind of batten down. But what are, what does it feel like to play in a game like that where you're, where you're finally, you're, you've got the lead, you're trying to hold on and, and you can dictate the, the way you play. Yeah, I think uh, it definitely allows you to, I know people hate it when you talk about sitting back and everyone wants to be aggressive all the time, but uh, when you're aggressive, you kind of open yourself up to more mistakes. And uh, when you can kind of, uh, I don't know, at least not have to press and force things and open yourself up, kind of like a chess game, if you will. Like you don't have to kind of open things up and open yourself up to the counterattack. Hockey's so uh, uh, transition-focused and teams are so good at transitioning off mistakes that you don't, you know, you don't have to try and create a scoring chance every time where sometimes like just getting the puck deep is, en- is enough and you can just kind of uh, put it in a safe place, get to the bench and get a change. I know some people <laughs> might not like that, but when it's uh, when two points are up for grabs and the standings are so tight or when you're low in the standings trying to creep up and every point means that much, uh, it's, it's time to kind of put the personal stats aside and, and getting that lead kind of allows teams uh, to do that. Um, but I, I think, uh, yeah, it was, one one big uh, star I had for that game, uh, and it was the first win that they've been able to put together in a while, was uh, uh, Josh Manson's uh, first game back. Yeah, absolutely. About that one, but, yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think that I know I, I mentioned that a lot um, about his importance and Hampus's importance, and um, so to see him back after such a uh, a tough time away. I think that was a welcome sight and kind of a good boost for the team. Um, you can just see they had that jump. I mean, the shots were 19 to one halfway through the game on the road. Like that is crazy. That, and then to hear the the away team fans kind of sarcastically uh, <laughs> cheering for their own team's second shot, the 10 minute mark to the second period. That was uh, that was interesting and just speaks to the level of play that they have been uh, running at lately. I was, um, but yeah, then a couple of, a uh, couple of fluky goals and then you're back to two, two. So kind of disheartening there, but uh, to be able to pull it together and uh, have uh, give you make some good saves down the stretch and, and shut the door in the shootout uh, and, get that second point on the road and, and get a win, the all-important win, uh, was huge. What, Absolutely. Uh, what were your takeaways from that game? Did you see anything else? Uh, well, I, I agree with you on Manson. I think that just his presence, he and Lindholm kind of getting back consistently into playing. You're noticing there haven't been any more five or six spots put up against the Ducks anymore uh, since kind of the end of November. You had that streak where it was 5-2 against the Capitals, 5-4 against the Panthers, 6-2 against the Lightning. And then Lindholm comes back towards the end of November and you're down to a three or four goals allowed. And now Manson's back this week and you've got uh, three, you, you haven't given up more than three goals in a game. So so uh, you can definitely see the the effect of having their top pairing back uh, back in the lineup uh, on defense. I think that's huge. I also kind of going back to the topic of uh, of 
struggling to score sometimes. I wonder because once again, they get a two goal lead against Minnesota and they cough it up. They're able to win this time. Luckily uh, they weren't last time, but is that also a, a kind of a, a byproduct of struggling to score when you get that lead early and you're just, you're maybe putting too much pressure on yourself to try to hold it versus to try to be more aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you don't see a team like, uh, like Colorado, for instance, like worrying too much about that or adjusting their, their uh, pace of play, regardless of what the score is. I mean, they could be down to, or they could be up to, um, they're just they're just still get, getting after it and just kind of full speed ahead. But um, yeah, I think it's when you've had a tough stretch like that. Yeah, that that definitely uh, when when you get a two goal lead, there's there's definitely that uh, that tendency that kind of creeps in the back of your mind. Like okay, let's, let's uh, to a certain level, like let's not mess this up. Like let's make sure we we take this home and. Um, you know, it was just some kind of fluky goals uh, that that came in. But one other thing that I wanted to talk about on, I believe, it was the the Ducks' first goal. I just I like seeing uh, when GMs and coaches do this. Um, kind of having been, I don't know, at a bunch of different, uh, I don't know, places in the lineup and organizationally in the minors and everything. Basically, haven't been everywhere, up and down. Uh, the depth chart. I love seeing it when uh, a GM brings a veteran uh, guy up from the minors, like a Sam Carrick, and uh, you know there's some familiarity there with Ekins uh, from from previous organizations. But just to bring a guy like that up and to and to have him out there with Raquel and um, and Silverberg on a line and just kind of, I think it just sets a good tone. Uh, it's a boost for the for the lineup too, um, but like organizationally, two guys from the minors see that that here's a veteran guy who's doing things the right way. Um, he carries himself a great pro, and they bring they bring him up, and he gets rewarded. And I think that sets a good tone of, of what what you're all about uh, from top to bottom. And to see him kind of come in and just a, a simple kind of KG veteran play just coming down the, the wall at the blue line, the kick out to, to I'm not, not really having any speed, but just, yeah, just a classic savvy play, just the old pass off the pads. They call it when you just fire it right at the, the goalies pads and it just kind of leaves room for them to, to misplay it. And, and which you saw, I, I think it was a young goalie uh, um, Minnesota had in and just kind of, booted it but didn't didn't get it into the corner and just kind of left it close enough to the net where uh you saw a nice nice net front pass and a tap in goal um to kind of get things rolling so that was a neat little point there in that game yeah absolutely yeah thank you for mentioning Carrick because I, I wanted to talk about him too he, he looked great in that game with that assist he was physical he was involved in the offense a lot had his nose right in front of the net pretty frequently so I, I really thought that uh that he played well and he earned himself another game uh, the next day. I believe the next game against the Kings, he was, he was back in the lineup again, I think playing on the same line. So um, very good job by Carrick. It was great to see also Eakins. You, you mentioned the familiarity he has with him, but this wasn't necessarily something he, uh, he saw as a gamble putting, putting uh, Carrick up right. there. And, and speaking of gambling, it's an exciting time for sports. Sophomore sensation Lamar Jackson is redefining what it means to be a dual-threat QB. Odds on Jackson to win the MVP race were 50-1 to 1 to begin the season and have plummeted since, making my bookie's prop selection more attractive than ever. Then on the 14th, we have one of the most stacked UFC cards in a long time. That is tonight, believe it or not. Three championship fights, all highly anticipated, right in betting capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. Without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action, and we have the best place for you to go, my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra 1000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code 
BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code capital B, capital L, capital V to get your cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid. So now let's uh, continue on. That's the second ad of our... Uh, wow, okay. <laughs> I think I nailed that one. <laughs> smooth ad read and a smooth, uh, a smoother segue. Nice. That was great. Thinking on. That's why you go yeah. to... Uh, that's what they encourage in elementary school, critical thinking. <laughs> wow. Well played. Well done. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, now that we've, uh, we've got those two ads out of the way, let's, uh, let's talk about this Rangers, uh, the, the Kings and the Rangers game. First of all, the Kings, uh, ducks go down early, but they battle back. Uh, the thing that stood out to me, I think obviously was the Delorier McDermott fight. That was absolutely a heavyweight match for the ages. That, that, that thing was intense. Did you, did you get a chance to watch that? Yeah, what a scrap, man. And and I guess uh uh Drew Dowdy had some some pretty poignant uh some great comments after the game. I mean I thought or they asked him about it I don't know if it was intermission or post game, but I think it was intermission and they asked him about it um on the, the Kings broadcast and um his response was great and I think um the question was, what do you like with a fight like that? I, I know it's kind of making its way out of the game. And uh, like, what what were your thoughts on that? What does that mean to you guys? And I think he just got to hit, hit the nail on the head as far as uh, the hockey community is concerned or a bulk of the hockey community. I know not everyone's going to agree all the time, but I think in a, in a situation like that, like obviously no one, no one getting hurt, I think, is the main thing, which is kind of the like no one ever wants to see that happen and have a, a spirited uh, bout like that with everyone coming out okay. And yeah, that that was it was just a, a great fight. It just added added a lot to the game. Um, like gave gave both uh, gave both sides a lift. I think. Uh, Dowdy was saying how, how much it meant to uh, to their team, and there was a lot of other good stuff that went on in the game for them. But he kind of wanted to go back to that, and so that specifically was was great. Always uh, always a hit uh, on the in in between periods and on the bench, and just gets everyone fired up. And and he just I think um, yeah, the question was asking what he thought kind of about the fight and. And the comment was about it being uh, gradually kind of being phased out or leaving the sport. And he just kind of said, oh, it, it can't leave the sport. Like, we need fighting. And I think that's what uh, the byproduct of having no fighting would be. You would have uh, a whole new breed of cheap shot artists running around like, diving not diving at guys knees but i mean at least sticking knees out or elbows or butt ending or just running around doing stupid stuff out there with when there's no repercussion it's amazing uh guys know they don't have to pay a price or no one's going to call them on, on anything it's amazing the stuff you, you can start to see uh, happen out there on the ice but it just it's kind of the sports way of policing itself and um, when you know that you there's a, there's a chance you're gonna have to have to face something or face someone that, that you might not want to if, if you do things kind of out of hand then I don't know it's just so unique to hockey and I know like some people don't like it and injuries are are terrible but uh, I don't know I, I'd be I think it'd be interesting to to get some numbers on the percentage of hockey fights where guys are actually injured versus the flying full speed elbows with no disregard for with no fear of anything happening or regard for you know any honor or any kind of thing like that. So I don't know. That, that was my take on it. Um, but as far as the game, yeah, I think it was a hard fought game, difficult kind of tight checking but yeah that was that was the highlight for me uh what uh what were your thoughts 
Well, that fight, I mean, was the highlight for me as well. Uh, the, I think the interesting thing was I saw on Twitter, I didn't notice at first that Delorier told McDermott to keep his helmet on, um, which was, I mean, that's such a, that's such a, uh, a microcosm, I think, of the sport and, and kind of the code of fighting in general. Like he tells the guy to keep it because McDermott was going motioning to take his helmet off. And uh, that's a two, that's a two minute penalty. So, I mean, it, Maybe you could argue that the smart thing would have been to, to for Delorier to uh, to let him take his helmet off and earn the Ducks a, a, a power play. But I wonder if the refs might have broken up the fight at that point if uh, if McDermott had taken off his helmet. But then they just kept the helmet on and started absolutely chucking him. Uh, and I, like you said, I, I think it I think it's good for the sport as well. I mean. It, I, I don't agree with the people who say that fighting needs to be completely eliminated. And um, I, I pretty much in lockstep with what you're saying that it, it needs to, to be done to police the game. And I mean, coming from someone who's experienced it firsthand, like you, uh, I think all those anti hockey or anti fighting hockey fans uh, um, should, should kind of look into do their own research project about, I, I, I'd be interested to see how many suspensions, and games suspended have occurred in the NHL this season compared to fighting to uh, fighting majors, just because it's, it's, I really, I really do think that it probably it keeps the suspensions down because if someone cheap shots your guy and you can't, you can't get back at him by fighting, then you're going to have to do something else. Uh, so it right. probably, it spirals. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Great and, point. uh, um, the other thing I noticed specifically about the Kings game, Derek Grant gets another goal, which uh, puts him pretty much at his second best season on pace to have his best season of his career and already has him at his second best season of his career, which I think is pretty interesting because it's, you, you look at Derek Grant's career, you see how much he's moved around already. You see the different teams he played for going up and down from the AHL to the NHL uh, back a few years ago. His two best seasons have come when he's had the most NHL time and he's, played in one spot and hasn't been traded and both those seasons happen to have come with the ducks and him being a uh, a free agent this season i wonder did you ever experience in your career a time where you were you were pretty much had a a career best performance and you're going into your free agent year and you're looking to kind of if not cash in kind of get your get your chance at a little bit of a bidding war going on or anything like that because i think that's what Derek grants in for this offseason yeah and i think as a as a player, like um, I don't know the, I, it's hard to to kind of I guess uh, word it correctly, but I mean there's there's always um, the the money side of it's always important, but the the human side of it's just as important um, with a lot of guys like I. I did have uh, that happen because the summer after we won the cup, I was actually a free agent. The summer I won the cup with the Ducks, I was a free agent that summer. And like we were just all kind of in celebration mode. So there wasn't wasn't a lot of time <coughs> uh, to think about contracts or anything like that. I get through the, the playoffs we were just kind of so focused on on uh the task at hand and i i think i we even talked um with bob murray my my agent and i kind of over the the course of the playoffs we wanted to start talking about next year and yeah we just said no like this is like i just want to totally focus on where we're at right now and and just kind of focus all my attention here. And that was just kind of the right thing for me. I know some guys can kind of do things hand in hand, but for me, that was the right choice. So it just kind of left me after I winning the cup, I was going to be a free agent July 1st, but it was almost like I'd just spent five and a half years in the minors and um, the, the Ducks were the team that finally gave me my opportunity. And it was a real opportunity and just the way things turned out and like getting to play side by side with the guys I was playing with and have that experience and learn from them and uh, about uh, hockey and just being that close to that level of 
of greatness and quality of human beings. Kind of can't put a price tag on that. That's kind of <coughs> how I felt at the time. So it was just kind of a, a no brainer to, to just kind of re up with Anaheim. I mean, obviously the fact that we had just won the cup too, it was, is like sentimentally everything's at an all-time high and um, yeah it was just kind of a no-brainer to come back so it's not always about kind of um, maximizing the dollar value but I I understand uh, guys that do it for sure and the next my next so I signed a two-year deal with the Ducks and then kind of after that was probably going to be my time to, um, uh, I don't know, be a, a little more um, realistic about entertaining other options and, and maybe trying to cash in a little more. But I think I, I took, um, was thrilled to just stay with Anaheim for another couple of years, regardless of what the, the salary was going to be. So it's, it's not always, yeah, like I said, it's not always about dollars and, and maximizing it. I, it'll be interesting to see uh, how this plays out. I think his, it's not like the numbers are a fluke and, and that he's just uh, gotten lucky. If any, like it's, it's a, uh, it's a good indicator of, of his level of play, I think. And he's, he's had even more chances. He could have more goals, how well he's played. And it's just, it's awesome to see you're happy for a guy like that, especially kind of having been in that journeyman uh, bouncing around forever, looking for someone to give you that chance. And I think now having a, a second go around with Anaheim and having it go well again and having, uh, having earned this role, uh, the kind of expanded role with the team, I think that that'll be a significant, um, factor in it so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out but hell if he keeps going like this he's gonna have some good options that's the the one guarantee agreed yeah and you wonder like you mentioned that if he's gonna have some loyalty to the ducks because they've they've given him the best opportunity and he's he succeeded the uh the most while he's played here so i, I mean if he if it if i were him and not having any inside knowledge obviously i would absolutely uh consider the ducks offer um with the most seriousness out of all of them I, I got if, if I were in that situation. Um, moving on to the Ranger game, I think this by far was the best game of the week. Uh, back and forth, up and down, fast game. The Ducks looked dangerous offensively. What were your impressions of, uh, of today's game? Yeah, it, it got off to – I know we were just talking about this a little bit. It got, definitely got off to a quick start. Um, it's kind of, yeah, a lot of back and forth. Um, but yeah, that first play, just 10 minutes in, just kind of a, a fluky play. Uh, um, it looked like a, a crazy turnover, but it was actually a, a deflected pass off of, um, like I think it was Manson trying to pass, and it went off Getzloff's stick and wound up on uh, Zabinijad's tape, who was just skating in. So it was just kind of, yeah, it was so fast. And when, when things are, are playing at that speed, there's going to be some some weird bounces and some turnovers. But yeah, it was a great hockey game. Um, but to to get to go down to to rip uh, that early and then have to fight back. But yeah, I, I thought they they did a great job. The Ducks are coming back and and uh, generating some great chances and looked fast and were playing hard and and uh, yeah, it was. It's a great game to watch. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, the one thing I did notice was on the Ducks' uh, second goal, that kind of just another kind of scrambly play just seemed like a symptom of, of how things were were moving out there. But when uh, when Lundqvist almost wound up in the corner and then kind of had to kind of swim back and then the puck kind of filtered through like three sets of legs right on Good Branson's tape and – he was able to fire. Uh, that was, a, that was a, a good shot. Like fire, fire a great shot um, to find that daylight in the open net. Um, but but yeah, just a kind of a little more chaotic game, but just speed, speed, speed. So those are those are fun. Um, 
and then another uh, all the way to the shootout. Did you see anything else uh, during the game you want to mention? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the power play is really starting to, to click. Um, this is the third consecutive game they've scored a power play goal with uh, Silverberg's little redirect he had there. So looks like so the tweaking's finally working on the power play with Derek Grant out there uh, on the power, at least one of the power play units. So that's definitely a good right. sign for the Ducks. And, and going back to that good Branson goal, I, I saw that I was really impressed with – I was a little bit distracted when the goal was first scored. And then I looked up, it sounded just like a tap in from point blank range, but then I looked up and he, he put it in from the blue line, uh, kind of on a, on a, he kind of contorted himself to get that one time shot. And I was impressed with that. I thought, and I thought maybe Silverberg tipped it, but they gave Gabranson the goal. So good for him. He's doing well, definitely fitting into the Ducks roster. People have noted how well he looks now paired with Fowler uh, back on defense. So I'm, I'm happy for Cabranson that he's finding himself here in Anaheim as he did in Pittsburgh before he was traded. So good things for Cabranson as well. Yeah, I think that's a good, a good compliment, complimentary uh, pair. I yeah. think uh, it just it makes a lot of sense. Like thinking about it now, like, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great, a great uh, kind of yeah they just both do different things so well and both just kind of yeah complements each other so that's uh, been been fun to watch um, and then uh, yeah Lindholm's uh, his first of the year uh, on a on a bomb through uh, the kind of <coughs> excuse me trickled through Lindholm but I really it's always I always admire this um, from this guy and I think he's he's got to be the best on the team and I think best in one of the best in the league is a strong word but he's definitely up there like it's a really good skill it's not easy to do but the way uh, Ricard Raquel is able to kind of gather speed to the neutral zone and beat guys one-on-one it's just to beat guys in the one-on-one in the NHL is so hard I mean it's and, and he makes it look easy to kind of be able to enter the the attacking zone with speed and get that penetration into the offensive zone with speed and kind of gives you options uh, to kick it out to either side. But just to be able to beat that, that one guy and kind of maintain your speed attacking through the neutral zone is uh, gives you good options coming into the, into the offensive zone and, and helps create things. And I just, yeah, he's always so good at that. I, I always noticed that. Yeah, I think that's one of the the more impressive things that I agree with that I see any player in the NHL do. If you can beat someone one-on-one, because at that level, I mean, you learn to take the body as a defenseman very, very early on and and where to look on on an opponent's body to not get fooled and and walked across the ice. So if someone still is elusive enough to kind of lull you into a full sense of security and then blow by you like Raquel has been able to do, that is is a a hard thing to do at the NHL level. Yeah, yeah, big big respect for that. Um, is there anything else you wanted to uh, talk about before the three stars? No, I think uh, the Lindholm goal was uh, – I mean, the last point I guess I'll make is the Lindholm scoring, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, he gets his, his – the game winner uh, – no, the game-tying goal, excuse me, with, uh, with the goalie – Gibson coming out of the net pretty much simultaneously uh, there that goes to show again, how valuable those two guys are Lindholm and Manson are uh, on the back end there for the ducks. But yeah, let's, let's talk about the three stars. So today's three stars, most surprising trades that you experienced firsthand. And so I was thinking in your case, guys who you, you were kind of blindsided by hearing like uh, maybe at the trade deadline or early in the season, like, Oh, this guy, no, I just got traded. I'm, I'm off to another city. Uh, did you have any of those situations playing? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty, it all, it all basically happened in one season. Um, <laughs> it was, so 2006 to 2007, we win the cup. Uh, 2007, 2008, uh, we had a lot of the same pieces uh, together and put together a great season to finish high in the standings. And then uh, we lose, lost in the first round to Dallas. Uh, so, yeah, it's a disappointing uh, end to that season, but... Uh, it happens. It happens. It's so so tough to 
to go on the playoff run. It's always hard to get out of the, the first round, especially. So <clears throat> definitely not the first team to get upset in the first round. Um, but the following season um, was just kind of uh, it's a tough season. A lot of stuff didn't go right. We had a lot of injuries. Um, and then, yeah, it was, it was just, uh, we could just never really get it going. And then I was hurt basically from Christmas on. So I was just kind of doing uh, rehab on my ankle. And I think Sammy Paulson was out like a lot of, um, yeah, we just had a lot of, a lot of man games lost that year. And, um, just kind of kept waiting and, and hoping to kind of turn the corner. It just didn't happen. So then um, I think it was maybe two weeks before trade deadline was, um, yeah, I mean, uh, speaking of uh, spitting chiclets mentioned earlier, but uh, the, the Whitney Kunitz trade, I think uh, was a big, a big shocker. Um yeah, I think in the you could see that it was just kind of more of a <laughs> a positional move that uh, both both organizations thought they needed to kind of show or maybe a little rich in one area and have to shore up a little area uh, somewhere else. So forward for a defenseman, two good players for sure. Tony was such a, a big part of the the Ducks for. Um, while he was here, definitely just kind of heart and soul guy, and yeah, just a, just a phenomenal player. And let me look at the career he went on to have after he left here. My God, like uh, crazy, crazy what he what he uh, was able to do. And, um, so yeah, so that was that was that would be my first one, and then the the other two were, um, so yeah, I, I was leaving the rink. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I was from, you know, we we're leaving Honda center. I just finished uh, rehabbing my ankle and a bunch of us were rehabbing injuries and, and heading home. And then all of our, uh, all of our phones started ringing and it was, uh, yeah, all the, the agents were calling. And I, I think, uh, it was the first one I, I saw was, um, I believe it was, uh, Sammy Paulson getting traded to Columbus, um, which was another, I mean, such a, a huge part of, uh, the, the Ducks team that won the cup with, um, Rob Metermeyer and Travis Mullen. I'll talk more about in a second, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think I was either down in the dressing room or walking out of Honda center or, or something, um, with either with Sammy or something, or I just saw him and then just saw that he got traded, but there was some kind of close proximity. I know it's like over a decade ago now, but um, yeah, seeing him getting, getting traded to uh, Columbus and just kind of being in, in disbelief. But I guess, I think everyone was free agents too coming at the end of that year. So that had a little bit to do with it as well. Mm-hmm but they knew they weren't going to be able to keep everyone. And it was just kind of the, the writing was on a wall, the wall a little bit in hindsight, but it's always kind of shocking in the moment. And then I remember like 10 minutes later, my phone starts ringing. And I'm oh, like, no. what? <laughs> what? And, uh, and it was, yeah, it was my agent. And uh, yeah, and informed me that I just got traded to San Jose. And then, uh, yeah, I talked to, uh, Bob Murray a little bit and um, yeah like just kind of obviously all of them a, a debt of gratitude him and, and Berkey and Randy and all those guys who gave me my chance I mean uh, the only thing I could say was thank you like, for my opportunity to those guys and for, for the years uh, with the Ducks team and giving my, my chance and, and yeah going up to San Jose I didn't uh, I'm, aside from playing there, I didn't know much about the area or, or, uh, I think I, I knew maybe one guy on the team, but, um, and I, I was hurt, so I wasn't really playing anyway. So I, I didn't really think, even think I would be traded because I hadn't played since Christmas, but, um, 
and yeah, I ended up getting traded uh, as a package deal with Travis. So then I was talking mm-hmm. to Travis the other day and heard he got traded too. So I was just, yeah, yeah that one day, all three were in, were in one day. So it was pretty, pretty wild time, but uh, yeah, all, all part of the business and, you know, all kind of be connected by that cup team uh, forever, regardless of where we all went after uh, anyways, but, uh, yeah, it was all, all good stuff in the end. Yeah. I'm curious. I looked up, uh, I looked up that, that, that history, that trade day on, uh, NHL trade tracker and that March 4th, 2009 was quite the busy day for, uh, for Bob Murray. So yeah, like you mentioned, you and Travis Moen went to, went to San Jose for Nick Benino and Timo Peelmeyer. Um, Sammy Paulson, Logan Stevenson went to the Blackhawks for, uh, I that was the point. Uh, yeah, just for just for like 13 games the rest of that season, and then he went to to Columbus the next day or the next uh, okay. Uh, okay. next season, and then for that yep. was for James Wisniewski, um, and then Pateri Nokalainen uh, comes to Anaheim from Steve Mo- uh, for, from Boston for Steve Monador, and then there was an it looks like an a- a- AHL trade. So, man, that must have been a busy day for uh, for for GMBM as they like to call him. Yeah, it was wild, and and um, and yeah, the fact that yeah, that we were all around the rink too, and just like you know, we we're all we we're all just hanging out, just literally, you know, you kind of have the monitors in on the room of the the NHL network. Everyone, everyone wants to see what's happening, and it wasn't like we we read it. I know there was no scenarios where like we read it on the ticker that we had gotten traded, but it was just kind of like we were all just together. Uh, in the dressing room and then left and then found out that we'd all just been traded. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, it was an interesting day for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, the ones I'll just go quickly cause there were, there were obviously not much of the firsthand experience like, like you had, but, uh, number one for me, I'll go three to one. So number, number three for me was Jeff Carter going from Columbus to Dallas, uh, or excuse me, Columbus to, to, uh, Los Angeles, the Columbus, the Blue Jackets are tripping both of us up uh, on this on this exercise. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, just seeing him, I, I think it was the year, a couple years before that, uh, Carter and Richards were on that Flyers team that came back from three zero down to the Bruins to win. Uh, those two just seemed like they were so good, and then seeing Richards go to the Kings and then Carter go to the Blue Jackets and then the Kings kind of blew me away, even though I know the Blue Jackets weren't having a good year that year. So I, I think there was yeah. maybe, maybe a little bit of a, uh, I can't really think about who to compare it to, but um, definitely understand why he was traded. It just surprised me that he ended up back with Richards in Los Angeles. Right. Um, right. Number two was kind of the trade that didn't happen until the next year. It was uh, a Gimla to Pittsburgh instead of a Gimla to Boston. I remember I was at a bar having some drinks with my buddies back home, and I saw the rumors. I was watching the Bruins game. I saw the rumors that uh, a Gimla was pretty much definitely going to Boston. And the next morning I woke up to see he was going to Pittsburgh and that uh, I think it was Ray Shiro at the time ended up swooping in and, and kind of getting a Ginla to come to, to Pittsburgh. And it wasn't until the next year that the Bruins got him. So, uh, or even right. two years after. So that, that was an interesting kind of no trade that, that happened. And then you right. could probably, probably guess the biggest one. Well, yeah, you can probably guess the biggest one was Tyler Sagan, uh, being traded, I think on the 4th of July, uh, of 2013, to Dallas. That was just, uh, you did not see that coming and it happened in such a weird way. Um, Obviously, he, he didn't perform that well in the Stanley Cup Finals that year. There were rumors kind of surrounding his maturity and and having basically someone have to guard him at his hotel room in Toronto when they were playing the Maple Leafs and girls <laughs> coming in and out of his room. And there, I mean, uh, the Boston sports media was digging all of this kind of crazy stuff up about Sagan. There was another thing. Uh, I think he missed a meeting that year, was late for a meeting, and, and, and that made huge headlines in Boston. So it was really interesting to see him traded and, and the kind of the inside or not really inside baseball thing that happened, but uh, the Bruins kind of filmed their, it's called behind the B kind of their 24 seven style documentary that they have. They've been having for a while now and they had the meeting where they were basically discussing the Sagan trade after he was traded. So you got to see kind of the conference, wow. uh, the conference between all the scouts and, and Cam Neely and Peter Torelli about what they thought of, of, 
Sagan, and they they pretty much threw him under the bus on television. Uh, wow. So that was that was an interesting kind of uh, end to to the trade, and then of course it ends up being along with the Joe Thornton trade, one of the most lopsided trades in Bruins history uh, in a negative way. So, uh, Yeah, because who did they get back for him? They got Louis Erickson. I think they got um, – Louis Erickson was the big piece, and now he's, uh, of course, yeah. weighing down the Canucks. Um, uh, let's see. I think Frazier, a defenseman. Um, let's see. I'll just look it up right now. Uh, yeah, seven players. The Bruins got Louis Erickson, Riley Smith, Joe Morrow, Matt Frazier. And uh, the Stars got Rich Peverly, Ryan Button, and Tyler Sagan. Peverly even was a uh, was such a big role player for that Stanley Cup team the Bruins had. That, that was also surprising yeah. to see him go. So that was a, yeah. that was a, a surprising day in my, in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's bad. Yeah, but I think uh, I think that's gonna do it. Anything else you want to add? No, that's uh, I think that covers it. Absolutely. Well, it's been a fun episode fourteen. We'll see you next week for episode fifteen. Uh, have a good night. See you later, Kent. All right, see you, Anthony. Thanks, guys. Hiring is challenging, and it used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter. In fact, go to ZipRecruiter.com begin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you cannot miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter Get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners here can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.